it's never good enough, right? I mean, it just, that's how it always is. You're only as good as your next achievement. I mean, I gotta regularly just sit back and enjoy the moments that I'm in, because that's part of my anxiety and maybe my stress is that, you know, oh, what should I be doing? Or I didn't do that well enough. I mean, that's definitely part of the insecurities and anxiety that we all have. Like, some people look at small business owners as being filthy rich, and that just isn't the case. But we would rather work 80 hours for half the money than 40 hours for somebody else. Welcome to East Idaho Entrepreneur's Podcast, inspiring stories from local people and businesses you likely already know and trust. Here is your host, third-generation family business entrepreneur, Renee Oswald. Welcome back to another great episode of East Idaho Entrepreneur's Podcast. If this is your first listen, let me tell you what you're in for. On this show, I interview entrepreneurs, business owners, and influencers, and share their origin stories. You guys, the stories are inspiring, and but what I love most is to get to know our neighbors better. So be sure to subscribe to the show so you get the latest episode as soon as they drop. Today, I am honored to welcome a local businessman to the show. I would describe this gentleman as a business owner and an influencer. He's helped to create businesses that keep us all beautiful and healthy, and he also uses his knowledge to help other businesses succeed. So welcome Tyler Price of Austin Cade Academy Academy to the show. Thanks, Renee. No, I'm glad to be here. This is awesome. We've been talking about doing this, or you've been talking about me doing this for a minute, and I'm grateful that you stuck with, uh, with me coming in. So. Yes, if anybody knows Tyler, you understand I had to kind of track him down to get this done. <laughs> and you're <laughs> going to reciprocate this and come and do one in my bug because I do the something, not at, at your cool scale, but we just drive around and talk for 10 minutes and throw it up on the on social media. So so I'm looking forward to that too. So It would be an honor to be able yeah. to be in the bug yeah. because that's one of the things I wanted to bring up. I, I just said Austin Cade, but I should have added Lyle Amato, Lash and Body Lounge. You have your own grow tables. Let me just clarify, that's for greens, yes. not for anything well, else. Well, they can, anything, well, yeah, but I, can but I, anything I do it for microgreens and starting vegetables, <laughs> right? yes, yes. You work with the Innovation Center to support small business. You have um, ride-alongs in the bug with really interesting people, so the fact that I just got an invite for that is very, I'm honored. You are a busy guy, so talk to me a little bit about all this stuff, where did it start? Did it start with Austin Cade? Yeah, so uh, my wife Allison and I were living in Salt Lake at the time, and shortly after 9-11, uh, at that point I was selling cars, so you know I loved the car industry. And when 9-11 happened, that really damaged that industry, and we were on the verge of losing our home, and we barely got it sold in time. Uh, had to move in with my parents, which is you know, you didn't want to live there when you were a teenager. You definitely didn't want to live there as an adult with, with three kids. And then, you know, then we decided to have another one, I guess, uh, while we were there. Uh, so Allison started, it, it was just kind of a, a, a chain of events that ultimately happened. But she started uh, helping a former salon owner that she had worked for, Larry Curtis, open up uh, uh, a school. And she had helped him open up one previous. And then he split with from that partner. And and called Allison and said, hey, I want to open another school. And so she, so we kind of changed roles. Uh, we had moved in with my parents. My dad had some health issues that required uh, some, you know, he needed extra help. So we changed roles where I was a stay-at-home dad and she went out and started working and really gained the experience of what it would take to open a beauty school during that time. So Allison had been, had she been trained to be a cosmetologist? Yeah, so she, um, she's been in the hair industry since she was probably 20, 20. Yeah, yeah. she's a little older than 20 now, so. Uh, only uh, because, yeah. I only know that because Allison and I graduated high school together, so just a couple <laughs> so years. So just a couple years, yes. so. And then she'd worked in salons and she just is amazing at the hair industry. And then, you know, with Larry, got into schools and over her career, she's opened seven schools and uh, and just has a love and a passion for it. And basically we were broke and had no money and she was just tired of being broke with no money and again, living in my parents' basement and trying to figure life out and helping my dad and all these things. And then uh, she just came home one day and said, you know, we have to open our own school. And eight months later, we moved to Idaho Falls and had a school open. 
What? And here we are. Uh, now, are you a Utah boy? Are you from Utah? Kind of, yeah. Uh, Oregon, and then Virginia, Missouri, then Utah. But uh, and so you guys met down there. Yeah, at we met at school, mm-hmm. and and then she, uh, yeah, she did the hair thing and and she and, said there's this great little place called idol falls yeah. where she said i do not want to go back to idol falls. <laughs> it was so the interesting thing it was like all right where are we going to do it and it was idol falls or san diego oh and i'm grateful that we came to idol falls uh, just because the cost of living and different things like that and just just the style of living as much as we'd love san diego I think living in Southern California would be a hard place to be, especially right now. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we came up and we fought through it, and it was hard. And and here we are, you know, going on our thirteenth, two thousand eight. Of course, the the great time to be opening a business was two thousand eight. Let me tell you. Now let me just step you back a little bit. You had you were you were selling cars, but you had had some experience prior to that in business. Is that correct? Did you yeah. go to school for business? Yeah. Um, so my degree was in uh, geography and Japanese. So it was a <laughs> worthless degree basically. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I thought I'd go on and get an MBA or at one point, you know, when our whole life was falling apart, I was thinking of becoming a lawyer or a pharmacist. And well, those two things really yeah, go close you know, together. I, but I'm not good at school. That's why I ended up with the geography and Japanese. Uh, so got it. Ultimately, uh, I'm grateful that my wife had some drive and some ambition and some skill set because together, yeah, I've been in sales and marketing and, and done some things uh, in small business, and a lot of my stuff was even quite a bit smaller than what we're currently doing, but. Uh, but sales and marketing has always been where I've lived in that. So arena. each of you, it looked like you each have a lane mm-hmm. in being able to start this school. She came with her expertise, obviously, around the beauty industry, and then you were helping with this business. Side yeah, yeah. So in marketing, in marketing, and then it's you know just uh, sitting down with people and understanding what is their dream of working in the beauty space and how can Austin Cade help facilitate that. So we we're kind of unique. I, I think there's a lot of great schools in the area. I don't have anything negative to say about competitors. We work on things together and I have friendships with them. Uh, but we really have a focus not just on the craft, but we have a business curriculum that that um, I believe really sets people up to go be successful. And many colleges you know, or trade schools, they don't. They just, they train you in whatever and then you have to go figure it out. And, and we do have a very systematic, this is how you go make money at it. And we got kids making over $100,000 a year uh, be, and, and they're doing the heavy lifting, but I'm going to say that that between the skill set that Allison and our staff um, offer them and some of the business acumen that we then uh, discuss with them, that it really puts them in a position to go out and succeed. I There's so many things I love about what you just said, but what I completely love is the talk about the trade, because obviously as the owner of Automotive Repair, we you know we deal in that same kind of thing. We have technicians that make over six figures, and I don't think that people really understand the potential for income in the trades. Yeah, no, trades are honestly where it's at. Like if I could go back in time, I would have been probably a welder. I probably would have been welding or a mechanic because I like old cars and I can get them about halfway there and then it's like, then I got to have someone come and save me. So Well, this is why you didn't want to become a mechanic because you wouldn't have liked those old cars anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can still like them and yes. enjoy them now. Yes, yeah, because yeah, it is when you have something that you love and then you get into it like that, all of a sudden you don't love it quite so much sometimes. So. Well, it seems really critical in your, especially in the beauty industry trades, Many of them are independent. Like few of yeah. them go and are W two employees right. anywhere. They're all self employed sole proprietors yes. usually, yep. and if they don't learn that, how do you figure it out? Yeah, and and it's and they don't. They just kind of go and make money each day. So at at Lala Motto, just to maybe shift gears slightly, and then this Lash and Body Lounge that we're opening, which is going to be focused more on eyelash extensions and skincare and things like that. Um, the model is that they are their own business, but then they get stuck with a coaching session with from me about every other week where we look at analytics, uh, the most important one being what is your rebook percentage. And then we look at, you know, and I just try to reverse engineer what dollar amount do you want to make annually? And then we just reverse engineer and say, okay, your average ticket price needs to be at this. So, you know, just in one of my coaching sessions recently, it was, uh, Someone wanted to be at $75,000, which, which we can definitely do that. She only wants to work 40 hours a week, which I, I'm, I prefer to work less. 
Um, and so it just came down to she needs to be at $37.50 a transaction. So seems so, easy. Yeah, and she's she's pretty right there. Like she's $30 for a haircut, which is high in our place. So then once you factor in a tip or sell a little bit of product, we're right there. So it's just like, all right. So then the focus becomes continuing to become, okay, make sure that we reschedule this client's next appointment. But in addition to that, we got to get them some product out the door with them. And, and, and by doing that, then all of a sudden, you know, and this is a single mom that yeah. all of a sudden she's you know, taking she's, care of all of her stuff. She's being able to do that. And so that's, you know, being around Austin Cade for as long as I have, I've had now some graduates that are coming back and looking for more than what they've had. And so Mia Garcia is who I opened up uh, Lyle Amato with. So Lyle was my grandfather and my dad's first name, and, Am and Amato was her grandfather. That's where and that that's came where from. That, that came well, from. so while you're talking about there, where did Austin Cade come from? So Austin was is our son's name, and Cade was our original partner, uh, the Brandy and Brian Cornell. So this son. is a thing. So, yeah, so we kind of look at at, uh, at taking names because it, it means something. Well, um, Lash and Body Lounge. So that was already, really... <laughs> that's another graduate, but she already kind of had that established down in Salt Lake, so we just stuck with that. I guess so. Uh, but yeah, so that was a break from the trend, I guess. But, I guess uh, so. But yeah, these are graduates that want more and, and um, they're doing a lot of the heavy lifting and then I recognize that, but uh, I also bring a lot to the table in terms of the marketing side of things and the development. So do you create the space and they rent that from you? Yes. Uh -huh. yep, that's yeah. And what. then with that, they get the coaching. Yep. So if you're going to buy a space in one of Tyler's things, you're going to get Tyler with, yeah. with this. Good or Whether bad. you want it or not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. good or bad. Because yeah. I imagine there's some of those conversations yeah. that are like, oh, crap. No, because it it's is—it's—it's a discipline, too, because they are their own business. And you'd be surprised, even within, within my kids, uh, they schedule themselves and then they don't want to get up at, and be there at 8 a.m. I know. Well, the conversation's pretty simple. I'm not the one that scheduled you to be there at 8 a.m. You're the one that scheduled you to be there at 8 a.m. If you're not there at 8 a.m., go find another shop. And all of a sudden, they're there at 8 a.m. But there's some love in that, too. I mean, they they do appreciate the fact that I hold them to the fire a little yeah, bit. Yeah, right. But, um, but the kids are making more money than they've ever made before. The future is more for us is really more than just standing behind the chair. I keep, you know, what the conversations are, you know, when you get to be 51 like me, if you still are required to stand behind the chair to make your money, you did it wrong. And so we are trying to develop some things that would allow them to still work behind the chair and do the craft because they love that, but also look at some other ways in which they can, because uh, there's a lot of ways for in the beauty space to make money than just providing services. Well, I, um, I'm sure it's billions of dollar industry mm -hmm. because we all know we all got a break from getting our beauty done oh, yeah, yeah. with a forced break yes, yeah. of which we hated. Yeah. And I mean, we all have nightmares. <laughs> and what I, what I actually kind of appreciate is it's not just the females in the room that have nightmare stories about yeah. this break because it, this isn't an industry that only caters to women. Right. It is absolutely both. So during, during the pandemic, when everything was breaking out and um, the beauty industry was not seen as an essential worker. Mm -hmm. You really took a pretty vocal stance to stand up for the industry. Yeah, yeah, because uh, our industry, first off, is at the same level of sanitation, as far as I'm concerned, as the medical industry, which you're a nurse, and and there's a lot of requirements that have to happen between appointments. So my initially, I played ball, and we said, yeah, okay, we'll close our doors like everybody else. Yeah, like everybody. We and the kids were dying. I mean, these are kids that, that just, that's how they make their money. Every single day they have to get up and grind, and, and they love the grind. And the um, PPP loans, things were not no. available to them. Yeah, so that we didn't qualify for anything, uh, just the way that the structure is. And it's not good, bad, or indifferent. That's just how we've chosen to structure the business. And, and because we've structured it and they're, they're, they're what they are, uh, they, Meaning sole proprietors. Yep, mm -hmm. that they really didn't qualify. A couple of them got some idle grants of $1,000, which, which, hey, we'll take it, you know, Anything. and they needed it. Mm -hmm. um, but, but by and large, they didn't qualify. And so when it was evident that, that our leadership in government wasn't going to open the doors, um, I did my research and found out that they had nothing that they could do to us. And, and the only people that could enforce it and really do anything were the police. So then I went to the police and said, this is a situation. And, now, and, wait a minute. You physically went to the yeah, police and had a conversation yep, with them. Okay. Because yep. I've got, I mean, I've been here for long enough that, that I, 
we Brian Lovell is a friend of mine. We won't ask and, how you yeah. have some association with the <laughs> All good things. All good things. Okay, got it. Because, yeah, you only remember the good people and the bad people, right? The people in the middle, the average people, they kind Just of kind of blend forgot, together, which yeah. Which is too bad because they're really the best people. So, so you called um, the people that you knew over there and yeah. said... So what are you going to do? And, the, and their advice was to take measures to make sure that we could mitigate the risk, but that they weren't going to enforce anything. And so... So we did that. We wore masks. We sanitized. We we went to the hospital too, and and had um, uh, Jake Ryan come in and teach our kids about what the hospital does protocol wise. So and, I guess just I just want to pause you for just a moment because as I'm listening to you, it really um, I really respect the way IFPD because it was the yeah. Idaho Falls Police Department. Yeah. That, well, the, ours was Bonneville County, but Bonneville IFPD County. was the same. Yeah. Way. I mean, they really. Yeah. I think there are other police departments across the country that would have potentially oh, or yeah. did take different even, stances than even that. Even as close as Boise, they yeah. would have, and, and even as close as Sun Valley, they were not allowing to happen what we did. And they were in for, they were yeah. being really heavy-handed yeah. with this. Yeah. So kudos, police, for yes. handling it this way yeah. and allowing um, you to use your brain and... Yeah. Yeah. use proper procedures. So please go on. You talked about making sure that you're yeah. using so, universal precautions, cleaning your it, cleaning equipment. Cleaning the stations. And that was just common. That, that already just already that. was do, happening. So what we, we changed was wearing masks, sanitizing our clients' hands, sanitizing our hands between clients, and uh, asking the client questions in terms of, have you been exposed? Do you have a fever? And so the first one that came in that said, yeah, I, I'm, had a, I have a cough, uh, and and it had, we'd gone on a few weeks without anyone answering positive to our questions. Uh, and so then the kid, I happened to be standing there, and, and Amelia looked at me and go, what do I do? And I said, you boot him, unfortunately. Yeah. Because that's money. that take a risk. And, and she wasn't mad about it, and, yeah. the, and the client wasn't mad about it either. And it was just like, all right, we'll come and see us in two weeks. But So in the industry, though, I mean, this seems like this is exactly what we would want. Somebody to stand up, be the voice for the industry, but you had people within your industry that were yeah. very upset with you. Yeah, that, that was the saddest part for me. First off was our governor acting like he could take our license and he, and he did. It he scared made, everybody. He scared everybody. And I was very vocal in saying, come and take my license. I want to see you do it because he couldn't and he knew he couldn't. And so he always used words like may and uh, they could. These it was never will. If he says will, say will. Don't say may. Don't 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 put fear into your management or government style. But then, yeah, people were calling the state office uh, from our industry and saying, you know, this is what these people are doing, and the state office would say, call the police. And so then they would. They would call the police, and the police would say, well, call the state office. And so. <laughs> So that's the to me that was the biggest disappointment. Where people are disappointed that I opened my doors, no, I mitigated risk, and that's all. And I took risk on by opening my doors. You sure did. And yeah. and and we will do it again. We will never close our doors ever again. Yeah. yeah. I mean that just won't ever happen. We will put policy and procedure in place, and the customers will make a decision, because the second that we let government or anybody tell us how to live any aspect of our life in that manner, it just is not a good place to be because it becomes a really slippery slope. So, Well, I think you, you speak for so many industries and businesses because, I mean, fortunately, automotive repair was considered an essential business. We didn't have that same impact that so many businesses had. But I think you'd, you would have a line of people standing behind you now yeah. saying, yeah. we can mitigate this risk. So much of the unknown caused fear. And um, and it was unfortunate to see, especially individuals in your industry, kind of um, cannibalize each other. They just, yeah, you know, they, it was just... And they were nice to my face, which I appreciate. Uh, but yeah, behind the scenes, nice. they were doing what they were doing. <laughs> But we had a World War II vet that came in to get his haircut when we opened up, and because he had some place to be to get his photo taken, and and so honestly, that was someone that was at the biggest risk. Yeah. And we felt a responsibility to make sure that during his service that we weren't causing. Can you imagine? Anything. Yeah. Yeah. And but anyway, and he just was grateful. Yeah. And so that you know. Our, our doors were busy. I mean, we were, the kids were just slammed. There was no 
of vacancies and and that went on until finally the other shops decided to open up and 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 we were glad to see that happen but and that funny will always how be our, our hair kept growing and yeah. our nails kept i mean we yeah, the, came back the to our I'm going to say that the governor looked like he was well-kept, and there are, <laughs> there are stories about uh, the police in Boise having their own salon and stuff, which is a huge violation of, uh, of, of licensure law and things of like that. Of all the things yeah. that could take a license yeah. away, yeah. right? So yeah. anyway, it's, it is what it is, and it definitely endeared us to our clients. Yeah. Well, I think it endeared you um, to small business as well because it did feel like you were able to well, I just have to con- I have to say thank you and congratulate you for being as professional as you were. You uh, held yeah. yourself really well. You <laughs> did, you. Tyler. I thought well, you did a really good job. There was one rant that my friend Brian Magleby called me after I did a live, and he said, "You know, you may want to consider taking that down." Which I, <laughs> which Brian always gives me good advice. Did you because take it down? I did because oh. it was. I was at a place where I felt like I was the only one. Yeah. And and right. it was a lot of stress. I'm going to say it mm-hmm. was not. It, it had aspects of it, honestly, that were kind of fun. Like you were, you know, just standing there looking at the government telling you can't, you can't do what you think you can do, but yeah. I'd like to see you try. But still, there was a lot of stress that came from it. And so in one of my rants, I was like, you know, some other people need to start stepping up. And I mean, I went off. And Brian, within like 30 seconds, <laughs> called me, hey, man. Hey, how yeah, you doing? Do we need to I'm go? like, I'm good. He's like... <laughs> You know, that one you may that one's a little aggressive. I was like, well, that's yeah, why we have right. good friends. That's why we have good friends. Yeah, because I don't always. It's in those nanoseconds that, that you find genius. I've heard that that uh, being able to basically bite your tongue and how we react to things. And, and yeah. sometimes I'm good at it, and but sometimes I'm not. So. Well, I, I think that you did a fine job. And speaking of Brian, you are now um, also working at the Innovation Center. Yes. With Brian. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about what you're doing there for businesses. So the, and it's with the Small Business Development Center, which, and Brian's uh, uh, kind of connected to both. Um, but. I'm, I'm basically in here trying to help businesses that have been affected by COVID and in, in looking at strategies. Initially, it was helping people make sure that they uh, filled out their PPP and their IDLE and uh, Idaho grants and different things like that. Now, pretty much all that's kind of come and gone. So now it is calling the businesses within our, um, within our group and, and is also just any business that is struggling right now because this is not... A blip on the radar this is evolution of business and if you don't take it as such then you're going to be left behind and so not that i feel that myself and brian have all the answers or, or the group here but we do have another set of eyes and so we sit down with people and discuss their business and what is their long-term game and how do we get them to the long-term game and and in the immediate part what are the things that can be done to be innovative and 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 do better yeah. because that's what it takes. And there are a bunch of resources that are inexpensive or even in some situations, no cost, yeah. right? For yeah. businesses to be able to take advantage of. So yeah. I think this is very, um, I, I don't think I understood the level of assistance that could be done through the sm- small business development yeah. company. And so any if any of you are out there struggling and wondering what the heck you're doing, come and talk to these guys yeah. because they can help you. Please. And, and there's other resources, too, that we do have the um, some loans that we can direct people to and, and different things, even for startups and, and whatnot. So it's all designed to create more uh, sustainable uh, business and jobs here in eastern Idaho. Have you found that there are more uh, financial incentives and things available since COVID? So, you know, the, there's... Uh, some things that have kind of come and gone again, like Idle was there yeah. that if people could get th- that money, uh, and, and I was talking to one business where they, they got the grant side of it, but they didn't take the loan side of it. And the loan side of it was just the best terms that you could ever, if yeah, you needed right. to, if you needed money, that was, that was the it. loan to get. Cause mm-hmm. you, I, I mean, banks won't do those loans. It was a 30 year note. It was yeah, a, right. Uh, first year without any sort of interest or payment, and then it was I think three and a quarter or three and point seven five. And those are and, done. And those Idle's are those done. are kind of done right mm-hmm. now. Uh, if if they qualified for the idle grant, they probably still have time to get the idle loan. Uh, but it, we'll see what happens because I think you know even here in Idaho, um, there was three hundred million dollars that was set aside for grants for businesses that didn't qualify for PPP or idle, and and uh, they. 
gave away $75 million. So now they're looking at $225 million. And in the SBDC, we meet uh, collectively as a, as a state through Zoom twice a week. And we just recently had this call, what should we ask the governor to do? And my thing was grab that as much of that money as we can and let's set it up into microloans for small businesses. Yeah. Um, because you know the RDA down here is doing up to $50,000 loans uh, you have to qualify for, but it can get you going and it just, they create jobs every year. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting um, dynamic change with some, some of our businesses surprising that are going away because of what has happened with COVID. Yeah. But opportunities, just like in 2008, so many great opportunities were created because of the downturn in the economy. So let's hope we see the same. Yeah, no, there's one of our clients that we met with uh, and it's the Mexican ice cream place law, I forget. However, Gabriel. Gabriel is just an amazing guy and he's actually a, a computer programmer that does quite well doing that. But but he's figured out his uh, his trailers are just killing it. And he's making the ice cream and he's got people coming to him saying, hey, I want you to manufacture or, you know, I want to buy ice cream from you and really great product. And I wish I could say the name, but it's over by the old Smith. So anyway, it, but it, it is. He was in your bug once, wasn't he? Uh, not yet, but oh, yeah, okay. I'm going to get him. Okay. I'm, I am going to get him in the bug. So, okay. uh, but Gabriel's doing great stuff. Uh, and, and I'm embarrassed that I'd because it's a long and it's a and it's a well you 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 got your degree in, ja in, in Japanese in Japanese not Spanish right. yeah there we go <laughs> but uh, but no just to see the that that companies that and even our friend Andy Johnson that he, here he is trying to open up an event center and it can't open but he's figured out a way to do virtual um, conferences events, yeah. and 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 events and so it's those types of people that that are really doing great things for our area. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, hang in there, everybody. Yeah. Don't give up. Yeah. So talk to me about this obsession with VWs and the whole, how did this start yeah. going interviews in the bug? So uh, I was doing mine before Jer Jerry Seinfeld was doing his. I'm going to say that. Okay. But Jerry's are way cooler than mine. He gets better cars. He's a lot funnier than I am. But my first, my dad uh, uh, restored two bugs when I was a, before I got my driver's license, a convertible and a hard top. And uh, so when I got my driver's license, he let me have the convertible. Uh, I mean, he didn't, he, other than I, I, I mean, I could drive it, right? Yeah, of course, it's still his. So, so yeah, 16 with a convertible in high school. And so that's where my initial love came for Volkswagen. Uh, but I was skipping class because all the girls were like, oh, that's cool, let's go. Oh, go and, for yeah. a ride. And so then I thought I was really cool. But, well, you were. Yeah, but then my dad just said, oh, you can't go to class. Well, then you don't really need a car. And, he, and I came home and someone's driving off in it. And I'm like, hey, someone just stole the, the bike. He's like, no, I sold it. And the funny thing is like about a year ago, I saw that bug up on, on KSL uh, classifieds no for way. sale. And I was like, I I'm hate that it. car. No, I hate that. I love that car when I had my freedom. But when he, because the second I didn't have it, all of a sudden these girls didn't think I was so cool anymore. Oh, so, man. So, that, so it definitely. You were uh, being used. Yes, yes. Well, that's so, a shame. But uh, he did keep the hard top and I learned a valuable lesson and I, and I, I own bugs. I kind of love then. your dad. Yeah. That yeah. was pretty bold. Yeah, no, that's how, that's how he rolled. He passed this this year. Uh, but he had had a long battle with diabetes. But no, he he was just if if you were going to do something, you had to do it the hardest, most difficult, inefficient way to do it to really appreciate the outcome. That's kind of one of his philosophies. And and he was definitely no nonsense because it's like, all right, you can't go to school. Well, then ride your bike where you need to go because you're not going to get this car. So, I love that. Yeah. Did but, he did he inspire you to be this independent kind of entrepreneur guy? Yeah, he was he was really amazing. He had a ability to look at businesses and he would buy struggling businesses. Uh, and in fact, most of the business he, we lived in Salt Lake, and most of his businesses were either in uh, Southern California or up in uh, Portland, Oregon. He had a factoring company, and anyway, he would buy businesses that were struggling and either turn them around or as he would do the due diligence, he would see that there was more assets uh, there that could be liquidated to make money. So one way or, or, or another, he was going to make his money. So, uh, but he was, in my opinion, a brilliant business mind and, and he was pretty gutsy uh, and just did stuff. And yeah, I think, uh, you know, when I look at my brothers and my, myself, we definitely learned a lot from, from him. He wanted me to be an accountant, but I don't know how to add. So it's just Because like, that's what he was. Yeah. 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 Uh -huh. So. 
But that's why he was what he was too, because he could really go in and, and from an accounting standpoint, really say, well, they only want a million dollars, but they have $3 million in assets. So yeah, this deal makes, this deal makes sense. And, yeah. and if we can turn the business around, then even better. So yeah, that's great. Well, I think it's always nice to have, um, I'm sure he, he cheered you on from behind with all of this stuff that you're doing. Yeah, no, he was always super supportive in all the things that even moving to Idaho, you know, he was a big supporter of that. And we regularly had conversations and, you know. And it's because he wanted you out of his basement. Yeah, that was probably <laughs> part of it. <laughs> okay, yeah. so speaking of being in your basement with his basement with your wife and kids. Yeah. How is it to be in business with your wife? I'm asking because obviously there's a lot of us who have yeah. family businesses and yeah. that dynamic can be all over the place. Talk to me about that. How, yeah. how have you guys made that She's, work? She regularly has to tell me to quit acting like a baby about stuff. But mm. She was probably doing that before you were in yeah, business. Yeah, mm -hmm. but uh, it, it's, been, uh, it's been hard because, uh, but great at the same time. Like, like she goes on her own vacations and, and sometimes she invites me, but usually she doesn't. So it's kind of like, uh, that's how we get away from each other maybe yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like I wanted to drive my bug from here up to uh, Roosevelt Arch, which is I saw park. you did yeah. that. Which was, no one wanted to come with me because they didn't believe in my bug. And, uh, <laughs> what? And But no, she, she just, uh, you know, she's supportive of the things that I want to go do. But, but yeah, you definitely... Uh, need to learn to bite your tongue and I'll say that because at times I didn't and uh, she still puts up with me which I'm super grateful for because in in the grand scheme of things she's the talent and I'm just I'm just the guy that talks really loud and obnoxiously at times so uh, but yeah it it was uh, I would say stressful because you're around each other all the time it's and and but now you know we just it's a great place to be we love working together at times uh, still. I'm trying to leave Austin Cade and she supports that. Uh, and she's always been supportive in the things like, like when I say, oh, I wanna do this, she, well, why don't you do it? I mean, so it's just, uh, oh, okay. Get out okay. there and do it, and quit so, talking about it. So yeah, so she holds me accountable uh, a lot of times and which is great too. So she's just, just I think naive is not the right word, but it's it's kind of like, well, nothing can go wrong. Let's just do this. Yeah. You know, yeah, you, that's kind of the mentality. She's a risk taker. Yeah. That's yeah. nice to have that. Yeah. But she doesn't view it as risk. She just views it as what? what? We're just doing this thing. What? There's no there's no risk involved. What are you talking about? It's going to work out. But, I admire people yeah. like that because I think so many of us overthink things yeah. and can just paralyze ourselves with the what ifs. Yeah. And so when you have someone like that in your life that can just say, let's go. No, and there, there's a saying that, and I don't know who said it, but it's uh, fear kills more dreams than failure ever will. And I think that's that's kind of, I mean, Allison never said that to me, but that's kind of who she is. It's like, what? Just do it. I don't understand. Just do it. You know, it's like, all right. And, and again, she holds me accountable. So I love it. Yeah. I love it. It's a great lesson. Um, so I can appreciate what you're talking about um, with working with your spouse. Kevin is the brains in our because he's the talent. Like you said, Allison's the talent. Kevin is our talent. And then I just get to kind of blow in and do the fun stuff. And so I'm, I'm not sure if that's the role that you have, but that's the role that I have. And yeah. I like it. Yeah, no, it's good. I, yeah, I don't. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm working, like I said, to train people to do what I was doing. And Allison just has done a really good job of of training uh, Nellie up and some of the other kids to come in and kind of take over. And now we're having our, you know, we had our first grandbaby, so it's Congratulations. like- Congratulations. Uh, yeah. So now it's like, all right, trying to scale things differently to yeah. do stuff before you get too old that you can't do it anymore, right? Yeah, so. yeah, enjoy those grandbabies. Yeah. All right, so you really, you talked about being the coolest guy in high school with the, the bug. <laughs> Momentarily, <And> yes. <laughs> As people see you, Tyler, you look like you are the coolest cat ever. Uh, <laughs> so do you ever feel inadequate with the tasks that you have or uncertain about success? And how do you overcome that? Yeah, because, I mean, when it's never good enough, right? I mean, it just, you just, that's how it always is. You're only as good as your next achievement. I mean, all these, I got to regularly just sit back and enjoy the moments that I'm in. But, but, because uh, that's part of my anxiety and maybe my stress is that, you know, oh, what should I be doing? Or I didn't do that well enough or, you know, whatever. I mean, that's definitely part of the insecurities and anxiety that we all have. Like, 
some people look at, at, at small business owners as being filthy rich, and that just isn't the case. But we would rather work 80 hours for half the money than 40 hours for somebody else. It's a crazy concept, yeah, but it's so it? true. Mm-hmm. It is. So, <laughs> so, you know, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. You know, we have over 30 employees at Austin Cade, and I've got 14 kids at Lila Motto that are, that are counting on me. I've got, uh, you know, as the Lash and Body Lounge opens up, we've got kids in there that are going to be counting on, on me and on them. And, uh, and so with that comes, yeah, some stress and, and, but it's like, again, I'd rather have that than, than just go and punch in a clock. Not that punching a clock is terrible. It's just, I'm not wired to, to really do that. Yeah. So, yeah, I totally appreciate that. All right. So what advice would you have for anyone listening that might be considering self-employment? You know, it's, uh, it, it, it is the, the start now type deal. It is, how do you do it, um, on a, for the least amount of money, capital-wise, investment-wise. Um, I'm working on a, another business that that uh, some people um, invested a lot of money into and they want their money out. And when I look at how they invested their money, I'm like, well, no, that doesn't make sense for me to come in and, and pay you on your mistakes uh, because the, the value of their business is, is honestly worth about maybe $20,000 and they want like 200,000 and it's like, that's painful. it's a painful conversation. And it's like, you know, and these are smart, smart, capable people like connections with Harvard and different things like that, you know, and it's, so anyway, in that, yeah, you've got to uh, realize that capital is scarce and capital is important and we can't just uh, blow it. So you want to go in and spend uh, the least amount that you can. Now, if you're doing retail, that's it kind of goes the other opposite direction because it has to look a certain way like you walk into austin Cade or lila Motto or even the lash bars we finish it up and it wasn't done to just 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 to, on a shoestring budget you know no, it you was, made it nice yeah mm-hmm. and, but we did it as as uh, cost effective as we could so so but it is don't wait because so many people oh i'll do this when well time is always ticking and even at uh at Austin Cade, you know, I've had multiple times where people will come in and then they won't sign up for school. Then five years later, they'll come back and they will sign up for school. And it's like, well, nothing changed in those five years, except now your life is probably even more complicated. Had you done this, you would be five years ahead of the curve. So, so whatever your, if it's going to be a side hustle, if it's going to be a business, you just got to go and chase the dream and realize that, that the, the destination that you want to get to, the, the road you have to go down, you don't know it. You think you know it, but you're going to have to pivot along the way and just be able to embrace that uh, as well because it's not, nothing has ever gone according to plan. Yeah, you just got to believe that it's going to yeah. work. And it, and it's this illusion of control, like it has oh, to yeah. go this one way. No, there's a no. hundred ways it could go no. and still be great. But yeah. you don't know that when you're starting in the beginning and you're paralyzed by fear. Yeah, no, and it's and it is just a bunch of, I'm just going to go do this thing and make it work. Just go. Yeah. You know, I, I, if I pulled out, I, I can't remember what episode this will be for, for yours. I think 75. Nice. But if I look back over the 75 episodes, I would say 85% of them have given that same advice. Yeah. Just do it. Just do it. Yeah. Just do it. Yeah. So I love and, it. No. And that's, that's it. And then just, cause it is this, the learning process along the way and, and the failures that you face aren't. Like everyone's so afraid of failure, and I, I, I did a little TEDx talk years ago, just kind of get outside my bubble. But in it, basically, I'm just saying, no, failure loves us because it's just the friend that's saying, whatever you want, you can have, but you just can't do it this way. So figure out another way, pivot, just pivot, and you can have what you're seeking. So again, that's why failure loves us because whatever we're trying to accomplish, the road we're going down, needs it. We just need to to pivot along the way, and we can still gain what we want, but. But, you know, we don't, we're afraid of failure and we're afraid of fear, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, such good wisdom. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay, so tell us about the grow tables and the greens because I know this has been a big deal in your yeah. life. So it's... It doesn't it's, fit all the other stuff. No, it's... Uh, so if I could have it my way, I would be some little boutique farmer type guy that, that you know, lives on what I produce and sells some of it, you know, and... And so just along the way, as I was uh, just working, I kind of got overweight and I was almost 300 pounds. And, uh, you know, we have a, an old home on the numbered streets and I was walking upstairs and I got winded. 
and I went to my scale and got on the scale and I was 298.8 pounds. And so I was like, you know, no way am I going to get to 300 pounds. So then I started doing some research and it's all, you know, the, the secret to losing weight is uh, diet and exercise. So they're right. They're, they're not Dang lying it. to us. They're not <laughs> lying to us. So I just started growing microgreens, which is, um, you know, where you grow whatever you're growing to. Uh, it's bigger than a sprout, but it's it's not getting the cotyledon leaves. But what led you to this? It's not like, you know, you didn't go to Weight Watchers. No. You went to microgreens. Yeah, That's again, not the my first dad, place that people go. Yeah, my dad taught me if you're going to do something, you have to do, do it. it the most oh, yes. complicated, hardest right. way that you, you can possibly You got to grow your own yeah, food. Yeah, you got to grow your own food. And so it is. It's just like I just started researching it and seeing that, hey, these people are doing this. And then I just jumped in and started doing it. But then, so you're, you're taking these seeds and you're growing them in a 10 by 20 tray and you're growing them in a really condensed space. So, and, and then you about eight to 10 days to 12 days, you're harvesting. Uh, and, and they taste awful, uh, but they make you feel good. Huh. Yeah. This isn't selling me on this. No, but, so, <laughs> but it's the feel good part that, that okay. should, right? Yes, yes. Because I can't imagine like meth tastes good, but people still good adjust point. it, right? Touché. So yes. anyway, no terrible example, but. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so then I, it, just in growing them, though, there's not really anything that's been designed to really grow them because uh, you got to water them and you got to water them the right amount of water. You can't give them too much. You can't give them not enough. And it, so it has to be just right. And so I, I just developed these tables that allow me to flood the table and then the water wicks up through these trays that have holes in them and and waters them perfectly. And so, um, you know, and then I. I'll sometimes grow it because I have chickens, uh, and, and I'll grow uh, sunflowers. Is actually really great a sunflower. And yeah, you came over. Oh no, you didn't. Never mind. I keep saying that you. There was a group of people coming over to, to have a sunflower salad, and I screwed up the. It wasn't me. It but wasn't now you. But I now, know that's yeah, an you option. and Kevin need okay. to come over, and yeah, we'll, Scott, we'll we get got it going. It. So, but sunflowers uh, grown in microgreen form is is actually really amazing. It has high protein. And so then it's just blending it and putting it in salads and, and whatnot. And so did you just research this and figure all this stuff out? Yeah, there's a lot of great content on YouTube and some huh. people that do it. And, and it's, a, it's a multi, a couple billion dollar year industry kind of emerging, I would say. Um, and, and I'm not really looking to do it. Uh, I want to train business. people on how to do it. I don't want to grow microgreens and sell microgreens because it. it's a it's a plant that needs to be consumed within a short period of time so it You're not takes a a, yeah it takes a short period to grow it and then it needs to be consumed within a period of time because as the plant continues to grow it starts to grow more leaves on it and it changes from its changes from sprout to microgreen to maturity mm -hmm. and the further it goes down the process it's actually the the less nutritious the plant becomes. so what about these tables are you making the tables yeah so i have a local guy that makes them and the, it's kind of simple design but it does have some some things are so you it, selling those tables yeah then? i've got okay. the tables got for it. sale and i'm not actively selling them i'm like doing but if I, anybody's I have sold interest one. is yeah peaked. i have sold one so yeah mm -hmm. so uh uh Justin uh, Franson and his wife bought one, so they're on my board of directors now, whether they know that or not. Okay, so, Justin. Well, yeah. we want to see how so, those greens are working for you. I don't you. know that they've used it yet, but they they did buy it. So, And uh, Justin's a local dentist. Yeah, local dentist mm -hmm. doing cool stuff. And, yeah. Uh, and, yeah. So, but, yeah, it's just there uh, for somebody that wants to take it to a level where they are selling to uh, restaurants or to markets and things like that. I have There's systems. Potential. Yeah. So okay. the system is really designed to be able to be automated. Uh, so we do have it to where it is automated. Um, I, I, there's still so some tweaking that's happening. So if you want to be happening. a mini farmer, yes, this is the place to go. This is because you know when you look at these farmers that grow alfalfa, for instance, they might get two cuts a year here in yeah. our area. Yeah. So how many months do they have into that crop versus this? This is something that uh, eight to ten days typically. Uh, uses a, a significantly less amount of water. It, I do grow fodder, which is what you feed to animals. So I feed it to my chickens. I think that that could be done to, at some scale, um, to and they do to to dairy cows and different things like so that. So here you and, go, guys. Yeah. Well, I appreciate what you're saying because I just interviewed Ryan Cyril of the Wild oh. Adventure Corn Maze. Yeah. And they talked about how five months of day and night work for two weeks yeah. last year. Yeah. Or ten days of the sunflower patch. Yeah. I mean, you don't 
understand the work that our farmers are doing. No, and yeah. so to be a mini farmer and be able to harvest that fast, that yeah. sounds a little more appealing. Yeah, and I think that, that it really does need to get to a place where um, people are buying from people like that, that are uh, local, that are close. And because, you know, when you look at stuff, how does how do they ship something from South America to to up here into our, you know, our food systems and things like that versus being able to do a lot of it. Now, you know, they're on a different uh, uh, time of year, you know, when it's winter here, it's summer there and, and vice versa. But, but I do think that there is that space that should be looked at. I just don't want to be that. I, I want to be the systems guy. That's more Okay, well, here's something for you guys. If anybody, if that piqued anybody inter anybody's yeah. interest, you need to reach out to Tyler. Yeah. So Tyler, is there anything else you want to share before I let you go? Boy, you know, I'm just grateful that we, you know, we've known each other for over a year now. And, yeah, uh, like two? Yeah. And I pass uh, the shop every day when I'm walking, driving down to go down to the river. And uh, so it's always good to see it because I go underneath the viaduct there. Yes, and, yes. Uh, so, no, I appreciate the things that you're doing. And, and yeah, this I'll, next week-ish, maybe, we get in the bug and we just drive around. We kind of do something similar on our smaller scale. I'm and, there whenever and you we get to talk me. about you and really it's talk about you. Well, so. I don't know. You know, I hate talking about myself. <laughs> It'll be a short episode, I'm sure. <laughs> you might have to shut me up. Yeah. Well, Tyler, thank you so much for being thank on the you. show. I'm just kind of tired listening to all that you're doing, quite <laughs> frankly. And we really appreciate you too for being such a great advocate for your industry and for your boldness for speaking up for business in the face of major criticism and challenges that we have just been through. So we're looking for more interesting people in your bug, and I'm saying that because you just invited yeah. me. Um, <laughs> we'll learn from them. Watch with great anticipation to see what you are going to do next. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you, Renee. Thank you. As a reminder, this show is sponsored by Oswald Service and Repair. If you are looking for automotive service provided with honesty and integrity, come and see us. We have families in both, or I mean, we have locations in both Idaho Falls and Rexburg, so our family looks forward to taking care of your family. Now stay tuned for the Business Leadership Moment. It's now time for a Business Leadership Moment on East Idaho Entrepreneur's Podcast. Hey, thanks for joining me for the Business Leadership Moment, guys. This segment is brought to you by RiseCon. RiseCon is an East Idaho business conference held every November. And I think because of our COVID restrictions and everything that's going on, that will probably be virtual this year. So check it out at www.risecon.com. I think there's some exciting things planned for it. Um, so you don't want to miss out. Also, they have a sister event, RiseX, where monthly things are happening. So check that out at risex.io. And don't forget, Rise is spelled with a Z. Uh, today, I want to share with you something that has been happening that I thought was an interesting insight. So I have a friend, a dear friend, who is going through a bit of a career crisis. I think she thinks that it is. I think it's going to be the best thing that ever happened in her life. But she's polishing up her resume, and she's looking for a new position. And she sent me um, a quote the other day, uh, and she said, Here's a quote that I heard and I could I really loved it. And it was behind every avalanche is a snowflake. Behind every avalanche is a snowflake. And she said, "Right now I'm feeling more like a snowflake." And so a little bit I giggled only because when you think a snowflake, right? There's a bit of a negative connotation to snowflake. And so I replied to her, hey, Snowflake, here's some suggestions, blah, 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 blah. And it was funny, but I started thinking about Snowflake and what exactly that meant and why is it considered a derogatory term? And it's funny because ironically, not long ago, I had received an email from a well-respected um, coach that I follow, author, and his name is Rich Litvin. And he talked about these rules of leadership, and one of them was called the snowflake rule. So I referred back to it, and the way he talks about it is, um, as you guys know, snowflakes are thought of um, forever that there were no two snowflakes alike, right? That if you looked at them under the microscope, you could absolutely see that there were no two snowflakes alike. But recently in a lab, they were able to, in perfect conditions, right, completely controlled conditions, they were able to create two identical snowflakes. So when you think about it, 
Why is every snowflake different? Well, what creates them is their journey to earth, right? So they each take different turbulent paths through the atmosphere on their way to earth. They have different twists and turns and falls, and it gives us gives the snowflake a very unique symmetry, actually, but a unique design. And it's, it's spe- special to them because of the journey that they've taken. And so that was what, what Rich was saying. He's like, your job as a leader is to be unique. And what makes you unique is your own turbulent path through life. Every twist, every turn um, grants you your unique symmetry. And so don't hold that back from the world. From wherever you are, are leading, whether that's in your home as a parent, in your family, whatever role you have in your family, in your community, and obviously in your business, your career, um, whatever leadership role that you have. So many of us, we have all these leadership books and there's nothing wrong with them. Man, I've learned so much and I have some ones that I just hold on to for everything. They're great guides and they teach us amazing things, but they aren't you. They haven't been through the exact journey that you have been through. So we take all of that advice and we apply it in our lives, but don't think that we have to be like everybody else in order to be successful. I believe that the way to be successful, if you want to be a great leader, is to be you. Take the advice of others that you can learn from and then use your life experience and be you. That's what people want. That's what people who are in a position to look at you as a leader, they want to know that you're human. You've been through this too. You've had your own kind of struggles and this is how you dealt with it. And it might not be my path, but it worked out for you and I can have my own path. It'll work out for me. Um, We're all in this together as that saying has been said a million and 10 times lately. Um, But I loved that leadership principle of the snowflake rule. And um, I think that we should embrace that saying of being a snowflake and, and lose that negative connotation. I know that's because you know, people think it's negative because I'm so unique. You have no idea what I'm going through. I'm special and you should treat me that way. I, I think it's funny and I totally get that. But I'm going to embrace another way to think of a snowflake. And that is, yeah, I am unique and I want to be a great leader. I'm going to embrace those principles of my uniqueness and go out there and change the world. So to all you snowflakes, go do your thing. You be you. Thanks for joining me here today and we'll see you back here next week. Have a great one. Thank you for listening to East Idaho Entrepreneur's Podcast. Proudly brought to you by Oswald Service and Repair. For all your car care needs in Eastern Idaho, let our family take care of yours. www.oswaldserviceinc.com